Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Recently, I stopped by my old church that I served for, what, 28 years, and here's a 19-year-old young man. Now, he never went to church on Sunday morning, but he did go through the kids' program, and I wanted to make sure he got it. So I said to him, can I just give you a little quiz on what you've learned here? And he said, okay. So I said, okay, one question. Do you know what the Trinity is? And I kind of got that deer in the headlights look, and he didn't know what that was. And I, I asked him six questions, some of which he got right, some of which he didn't. But you know what I thought? We got to do this on TV. So can I do this? Can I give you a little quiz on the basics of the Christian faith just to make sure you get it? <laughs> let's take a moment, let's pray, and then let's see how you do on a quiz on the basics of the faith. Let's pray. Father, we do want to pray if there's anyone watching this program who doesn't quite know who you are, how the world's going to end, how to get to heaven. God, just speak to us now and bring people to faith in Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. All right. Question number one that I asked that young man, can you define the Trinity? And I had to give him a hint. How many gods are there? He knew there was one God, but he didn't know what the Trinity was. So let me define it. The Trinity is one God in three eternal persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's not three gods. There's one God, but in God are three eternal persons, God the Father who made us, God the Son who died on the cross, God the Holy Spirit who lives within us. It's kind of like this. Ice is made up of water. Snow is made up of water. Steam is made up of water. One substance, but three forms. Or over there is our cameraman, Joel. And to Joel's parents, he's a son. To his children, he's a father. And to his wife, he's a husband. So he's a father, son, and a husband. There aren't three Joel the cameramans. There's only one, but he's kind of three. Now, don't press this too much because the analogies break down because God is not sometimes Father, Son. God is always Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. So the Trinity, to define it again, is one God in three eternal persons. And I don't assume anymore that people, I remember my first church many years ago, I was teaching on this, and an 85-year-old man puts up his, up his hand and says, you mean Jesus is God? <laughs> Which leads to the second question. True or false? Is Jesus God? The answer is true. And this 85-year-old man, oh, I never, I thought Jesus was the Son of God. I said, he is the Son of God. He's also God the Son. He's eternal with the Father and the Spirit. C.S. Lewis said, imagine squeezing yourself down to live inside the shell of a snail, and you will get a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to become a man. What we Christians believe is that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God squeezed himself down into a human body and God became a man. 
And if the Jehovah's Witness come knocking on your door saying, Jesus is not God, he's a creature, he's not eternal, he's not eternal with the Father and the Spirit, he's not God, you just remember three things. John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, all three of those chapters and various other places as well teach Jesus is the eternal God, one with the Father and the Spirit. Question number three. How will the world end? I asked that young man this one, and he just had not an answer. Let me just, four things happen at the end. You hear trumpets, and number one, Jesus comes down in the clouds. Number two, all the dead are raised. Number three, everyone is judged. You come before the throne of Jesus Christ, and he judges you. Those who trust him go to heaven. Those who reject him go to hell. And the last thing that happens, number four, the earth melts with fire, 1 Peter chapter 3. So he comes down in the clouds, raises the dead, judges the world, and then everything melts and we get the new heavens and the new earth. That's how the world ends. Question number four. Can you get to heaven by being good? Nine out of ten people, if you stop them on the street, how do you think people get to heaven? I hope I've been good enough. Can you get to heaven by being good? The answer is no. And why can't you get to heaven by being good? The answer is no one is. We're sinners. Let me, I, I remember many years ago a pastor telling us this story. He said, one day my wife pushed me out the door and said, go talk to Aunt Edith about her soul. She was a, an 80-year-old woman, a nice woman, but not a Christian woman. So he said, I drove across town, sat in her lovely home. She was quite wealthy. And Edith, can I ask you a question today? Yes, Pastor. Well, if you died tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Well, I hope so, Pastor. The pastor said, well, the Bible says you can know where you're going to go when you die. But he said, can I ask you a second question? If you died tonight and stood in front of God, and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And she came out with the number one wrong answer. I think I've been good. And the pastor knew what to do. And he said, okay, Anitith, don't, don't answer out loud. But just let me take you through the Ten Commandments in your heart. And just, just answer these in your own heart. Commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is God the most important thing in your life 24 hours a day? Have you ever let your home, your children, your grandchildren, anything ever been more important to you than God? If so, you broke the first commandment, you deserve to be punished. Commandment number two, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Have you ever say, oh my God, oh Lord? Have you ever said Jesus Christ in vain? Have you ever broken the, the, the holy name of God? If so, you've broken the second commandment. Commandment number three, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Do you go to church every Sunday? Do you, do you love to worship God or do you maybe make it Christmas and Easter? If so, you broke the third commandment. Commandment number four, honor your father and mother. Did you ever disobey your parents? Did you ever sass them back? If so, you broke the fourth commandment. Commandment number five, thou shalt not kill. And he said when he got to this one, she kind of breathed easy, but he, he said, you know, the Bible says, if you've ever hated anybody, in your heart you've killed them. He took her through six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and she knew she wasn't going to make it. And he said, now, Aunt Edith, are you really going to stand before God on Judgment Day and say, let me and I've been good? And she said, no, Pastor. And he said, where do you, where do you deserve to go? And she said, hell, I guess. And the pastor said, me too. 
And he said, because you couldn't get to heaven by being good because you're not. And you can't get to heaven even by the Ten Commandments because in thought, word, and deed, we break them more than we keep them. God gave us a whole different way to be saved. And he said, would you like to know for sure you're going to heaven instead of hell? And she said, please. And then he told her what's called the gospel, the good news. Listen carefully. This is the most important thing I preach. Here we go. <clears throat> Up here is heaven. Heaven is God's perfect home. If you want to get up into heaven, you have to be just like God is, absolutely perfect. And God will not allow sin to go up into heaven. Let's say my, my billfold represents sin. He won't let sin up into heaven. If he did, there would be hatred, murder, crime, rape, abortion, pornography. It would be America all over again. And this hand represents you and me. And the problem is that every one of us is loaded with sin. We sin in thought, word, and deed daily. That's the bad news. Now, here's the good news, the gospel. 2,000 years ago, God came down from heaven, was born in a manger. God became a human being. His name was Jesus. He lived a perfect life because he was the God-man. He had no sins of his own. When he was about 33 years old, he put our sins on his back. He carried our sins up to the cross. They put nails through his hands and feet all the sins we deserve to get punished for, he took our punishment for us. He paid for our sins in our place. It killed him. He was buried, and our sins are buried with Christ. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He goes back into heaven, and now he promises you, no matter what sins you may have committed, no matter how horrible you have been, if you will turn to him and trust in him for the forgiveness of sins, you're going to heaven when you die. And the pastor said that 80-year-old Aunt Edith became a newborn babe in Christ that day. Can you get to heaven by being good? No. Why? Because you're not. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Trust in him. So I talked, I talked to this young man about the Trinity. Is Jesus God? How the world's going to end? Can you get to heaven by being good? L let me ask the next question. How can I make sure I go to heaven? I will tell you, this is what Martin Luther in the 1500s was all about. He was a Catholic monk desperately wanting to know for sure he was saved, and he knew he wasn't good enough, so he, he kind of gave up, but then he, he got it by reading the Bible. And, you know, I was raised a Lutheran. I went to church every Sunday. For some reason, it went over my head. I didn't get on how to be saved. So I remember I was 20 years old, sitting in a Bible study that I was leading at college. And after the Bible study broke up, this girl named Pam says, Tom, can I talk to you privately about something? I said, okay. And Tom, are you sure you're saved? <laughs> and I was offended. I said, I think I'm saved. No, are you sure you're saved? And I said, yes. And she left the room, and I'm sitting in my dorm room thinking, did I just lie? Because I don't think I was sure. But it was at that time somebody explained to me 1 John 5.13, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And Tom, do you believe in the Son of God, that he died for you? You bet I do. Well, then, according to that verse, what can you know for sure you got? Well, it says eternal life. Well, God, who, who wrote that verse? Well, God wrote the Bible. So if God makes a promise, is he going to keep it? Yeah. All right, so as long as you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what can you know for sure you've got from now? That's when the light bulb went on. 
I've got eternal life. You know, I think I was a Christian and saved before that, but I don't ever want to live again without the knowledge, the assurance of my salvation. How can you be sure you're going to heaven? Claim 1 John 5.13 for your own. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Or do Acts 16. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. doesn't say you might be saved. It says believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Last question. What does the word grace mean? When you sing the song, Amazing Grace, what does the word grace mean? Grace is defined thus, God's unearned favor. In other words, I'm going to heaven not because I'm good enough and deserved it. No, no, I'm only going there by grace, his unearned favor. I'll tell you what I thought of here. I have a brother who's a year and a half younger than myself. We fought nonstop growing up. Poor mom. And when we were little, Mom, what do you want for Christmas? Peace and quiet. We'd say, no, Mom, what do you really want? Peace and quiet. Well, I, was, I have a clear memory of this. I was eight years old. Mark was seven. Christmas morning, we run down the stairs for the Christmas tree. And underneath the Christmas tree is one red bike period, that Mark and I were supposed to share. (laughs) I don't think so. And my brother and I looked at each other, and we looked at the bike, and we looked at each other, and and Mom was over here. Mom, where are all the presents? Well, you boys weren't good this year. That's all Santa brought. And she left the room. And I just remember, I was standing there thinking, this cannot be. But then I walked down the hall to the living room. I walked into the living room. I clearly remember mom was laying on the couch reading Reader's Digest. Our presents were all over the floor. Huge Christmas that year. And you know what I learned that year? At Christmas, we don't get what we deserve. We get grace. (laughs) We are saved by the unearned grace of God. If we were to get what we deserved, we'd all be in hell. We're saved, however, by the grace of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. All right, how'd you do? Do you know what the Trinity is? One God in three persons. Is Jesus God true? First John 1, Hebrews 1, Colossians 1. How will the world end? We'll hear trumpets, and he comes down in the clouds, raises the dead, judges the world, everything melts with fire. Can you get to heaven by being good? The Bible says no one is good. Uh, How can I make sure I go to heaven? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And lastly, what is grace? It's God's unearned favor by which I'm saved. Let me just close with this. There was a mother who was dying in the hospital and she knew she was dying. Her sons surrounded her bed and she called her one son to her side and she said, John, you're the responsible one in the family and in my Bible at home, I've left my final instructions. I know I can trust you to carry them out. Bend down and kiss mother goodnight. She called her next son. You know, Glenn, you and your wife have taken me into your home this last year, tried to nurse me back to health. You've been so loving and kind. You know, I I just so appreciate you. Bend down and kiss mother goodnight. She called her third son, Jeff, you're, you're the youngest in the family. You've always been closest to mother. But now you'll have to go it alone. I know you can. Bend down and kiss mother. Good night.
There was one more son, very finely dressed, standing a bit of a distance from everyone, and she called him to her side. And she said, Tony, mother knows who's paid for all of her medical bills and given her the best medical care on earth. You'll never know how much I appreciate all you've done. Bend down and kiss mother goodbye. And as he's bending down to kiss her, it dawns on him what she said. And he said, Mother, why do you say good night to my brothers, but goodbye to me? And she said, I will see your brothers again. But I've told you time after time how to have eternal life, and you would never listen, and I will never see your face again. And the story goes that he squeezed her hand and said, Mother, tell me one more time. And she told him how Jesus Christ came to earth to die for the sins of guilty men and women, and all who believe in the Lord Jesus will be saved. And, and he said, Mother, I do believe. I do believe. And she said, Bend down and kiss Mother. Good night. If you don't know for sure where you're going to spend eternity, isn't that kind of important that you get that one straight? And I ask you to open up your Bible to not John, but 1 John, way back by Revelation, 1 John 5.13. Claim that for your own. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, my first comment today to you is that when you talk about grace, an old minister that was my confirmation minister taught us to a definition of grace that I'd like to share with our audience, yep. and it's the letters that spell grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E, that's right. And yeah. so it's just another way to think about what yeah. Tom was saying. Yeah. So first question for you today. Which person of the Trinity should a person pray to or shouldn't they? Yeah. You know, Jackie, I get this question now and then. Should I pray to Jesus? Should I pray to God the Father? Should I pray to the Holy Spirit? Well, you can pray to all three persons of the Trinity because the other two are always listening because there's only one God in three persons. But the norm, Jackie, is in the New Testament, you pray to God the Father, and then you close your prayer in Jesus' name. Now, there are some prayers that are directed directly to Jesus in the New Testament, so you can pray to Jesus. But again, the norm is you pray to God the Father, and you close your prayer in Jesus' name. Okay. And in Jesus' name simply means, God, do this not because I deserve it, but because of Christ. <laughs> okay. So why is the doctrine of the Trinity so confusing yeah. to people. Well, you know, to me, that helps me believe it. Jackie, if you and I had a concept of God that made total, 100% rational sense, I would be suspicious some human dreamed that concept up. But the, the concept of the Trinity is so mind-boggling. I think it came from heaven. Nobody would have dreamed that up if they were going to invent an easy version of God. So why is it confusing? Because we're human, we're sinful, we're finite, and we're trying to understand the infinite, holy God. Okay. This one I have... Oh, oh I'm sorry. One more line. Okay. Some people say, he who 
doubts the Trinity will lose his salvation. He who tries to understand the Trinity will lose his mind. <laughs> I think that's a good line. Anyway. I like that one too. <laughs> so if Jesus is God, who is he praying to in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yes. Sometimes I get emails and letters from, I think they're Jehovah's Witnesses and they don't believe Jesus is God. And Well, then who is he praying to in the, in the garden? Well, you've got God the Son praying to God the Father. Because Jackie, even though it's only one God, there are three distinct persons. The Father is not identical to the Son. The Son is not identical to the Holy Spirit. There's one God, but there are distinctions in what's called the Godhead. And so what you have is God the Son praying to God the Father. And I know that's confusing, but that's about the best I can tell you. Yeah. So, do all churches teach that Jesus is God? I think the way you can tell a cult from a church, a cult is a group that says they're Christian, but they aren't. A Christian church and a cult, the way you can spot them, they deny the Trinity. For instance, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the... Here's what Jehovah's Witnesses say when they knock on your door. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, therefore it's from the devil. Well, I, I'm, and my response is, they're right. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. The concept of the Trinity, one God and three persons, is the last thing Jesus said on earth. Go ye therefore baptizing them in the name singular of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's the last thing Jesus said. So, okay, the Trinity, the word isn't in the Bible, the concept, you can get the Trinity out of the first paragraph of the Bible in creation. God created the Spirit of God moving on the water, God spoke creation. So, it, the, the word's not there, but the concept is clearly there, Jackie, yeah. Can you explain, what is Unitarianism? You know, okay, yeah, back to that. The groups that say they're Christian and that aren't, well, actually, a lot of Unitarians these days would not say they are Christians. Once upon a time, I think they would. Unitarians believe there's only one God and Jesus is not it. Uh, the other cults would be Mormonism. Mormons believe in thousands of gods, not one God. And so the, the stay away from Christian science, uh, the New Age religions. Um, and uh, But every Christian church, Catholic, Lutheran, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Evangelical, all the true Christian churches believe in the Trinity. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've heard the term modalism. Modalism, yeah. Modalism. And, and modalism is this. As there was an ancient heresy in the early centuries of Christianity, and they, some of the heretics taught God is, let's say, at 12 noon, he'll be God the Father for a while. Then at 4 p.m. he'll become God the Son for a while. And then at 8 o'clock at night he'll be the Holy Spirit. And is mo the, the, the Holy Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three modes of existing. And the earlier church said no to that. God is always one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay. And, and I'll say there's a group, Pentecostals are fine, but there's a group called United Pentecostalism, Jesus-only groups, and they're into modalism. They don't believe in the, the Father and the Spirit of God. It's only... Uh, Jesus is God, so there's another group I'd stay away from. Well, did they break off from... I think they did. I, I'd have to look into that, but again, Assemblies of God, Pentecostals are normally fine when it comes to the Trinity, but beware of united Pentecostalism. Okay. Yeah. All people aren't sinners who deserve to go to hell. Yeah, I had someone say to me... So, like, what you know, about somebody yeah, like Mother, Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa, you think she's a sinner who deserves to go to hell? And my response was, I think Mother Teresa would tell you that. 
You know, we're all sinners who deserve to go to hell. Mother Teresa, nobody earns their way into heaven. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not your good works, lest anyone should boast. So, yes, we're all sinners, Jackie. Wouldn't it, isn't it kind of arrogant to say that you know for sure you're going to heaven? You know, I, I, I've heard people say that, because I preach that you can be sure you're going to heaven. Well, aren't you rather being arrogant? And my thought is, it, I, it, that's true if it depended on me. If I, I know I'm going to heaven because I deserve it and I'm so wonderful. No, that's not why I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm going to heaven because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on Christ on the cross. And because of that, I can, if it depended on me, I could never be sure. But because the promise of the Bible is believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, then I can be sure. It's because he gets the credit for my salvation, not me. You know, Tom, it's hard, though, sometimes because people have doubts that they're saved. Mm -hmm. How does a person... I mean, and I think it's a normal yeah. human reaction yes. to doubt that you're saved. Mm -hmm. yep. So how does a person overcome that doubt? I think one, there's a few things I do. Number one, I claim the scriptures. First John 1, 9, I, uh, uh, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all on our own. So the way you fight your doubt is, is with the promises of God. Uh, Acts 16, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. So claiming the promises, something, uh, a second thing you can do, James 5 says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another. If, if you're doubting that you're saved because you had an abortion or, or fill in the blank, maybe confess that to somebody and have them pronounce the forgiveness of sins over you. And then third, Jackie, I love taking communion because communion is God's way of assuring us through the blood of Christ our sins are indeed forgiven. Okay, can you explain what are the means of grace okay. exactly? The means of grace or the sacraments are, uh, a sacrament is, is the, uh, the, the, the sacraments are the means of grace. One is baptism, it's the way God gets his grace down to okay. us, but the second one is Holy Communion that we take regularly. Okay. Yeah. Tom, we've only got about a minute left, but I have one more question okay. that I think that everybody would like to know your answer to. Okay. Do you think the second coming of Christ is near and are we in the end times, do you think, with you know, what's I, happening in our country, in our world? Could be, but that's all I can say. Because Jesus said no one knows. And, and I, I, I've been burnt on this, Jackie. I was told in 1975, this is it. And well, it wasn't it. So I think we're, it's safe to live like we're in the end times. And maybe we are, given you know, some of the stuff happening in Israel, and, and et cetera. But we could be for here for another thousand years. Only the Lord knows. But live like it's the end, because it could be. <laughs> well, we've got our time just about gone, and we just want to thank you for your support of this ministry, and we hope that you'll join us every week when we are on, and pray for this ministry to keep going. Mm -hmm. And we will see you the next time we're together, and God bless until that time comes. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.